So, magandang umaga po sa atin lahat. Narinig mo yung ano, yung sinabi ni ano, ni Pastor ano, net na maubos ang ano, English niya eh tapos ano, dire-diretso yung ano, yung English niya, no? <laughs> tapos ako ano, hindi ako Pinoy pero ano, nagtatagalog ako. Ano. <coughs> <coughs> Anyway, just giving you a hard time. I have to live with him back in Manila, so. <laughs> uh, it is really a privilege for me to be able, yep, by the way, I can speak English, in case you're wondering. Um, it's really a privilege for me to be able to be back here. Uh, I was here about a year ago, and uh, the last time we were together, I think uh, there weren't as many of you as there are now. So it's very exciting for us to see many people that are being drawn uh, not just to the church, but being drawn to Christ. And the way that God is using you, we are very excited about the future of uh, what's going to be happening here in CCFLA. And I bring greetings from Manila and from all of the brethren there. Uh, many of you actually, I think, came from CCF in Manila. So uh, just wave and pretend that I am representing all of your friends. Uh, and for those of you who haven't ever been, uh, you can always look online uh, my son, I have to kind of advertise this because my son is the head of the web page design. And so when we are posting all of the videos and uh, all of that stuff, he is the one that's responsible. And I would also like to, to introduce my wife and my daughter who are here. So this is Louie and Sharon. You can stand up. <coughs> so uh, Louie obviously is with us in Manila. Sharon is just starting a program in physical therapy at USC, so she's actually just down the road. Uh, so now you will never be able to escape. They will be after you forever. So. <clears throat> but uh, let me just say that uh, it is our heart's desire just to encourage you and to say we really believe that what God is doing among you is exciting, but it's just the beginning. Now, uh, I was together with Pastor Nathan Lee. I think you know Pastor Nate. <clears throat> it's hard to miss Pastor Nate. No. Uh, I'm not quite as, you know, mabonga. Okay? <laughs> but uh, uh, we were together in Australia and New Zealand, and also seeing what God is doing. There is a CCF church in Sydney, and there's also a CCF church in uh, Auckland, so Ryan Escobar, who I'm sure many of you are familiar with, is now the church pastor in Auckland, and they are seeing God bring many people to Christ, uh, even in the down-under area. So we're excited to be a part of what he is doing. Now, I shared this message with them because I think it's really appropriate when we have the opportunity to share uh, about CCF uh, coming from Manila and, and being able to just encourage you just to get back to some of the roots of CCF. What is it that we are about? And so I have entitled my message today, Volunteer Lay Le Leadership. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's there, Pala. Um, <clears throat> um, the reason is because uh, we have various values, and I'm going to go through kind of the, uh, the list of the categories of values in CCF, but I really believe one of the most important and perhaps one thing that, that sets CCF apart from many other churches is our commitment to volunteer lay leadership. 
And I just want you to know, this was not orchestrated. I had absolutely no idea that Net was going to be sharing what he did, but it just dovetails so perfectly with what I was going to share. So that's what we want to talk about. And hopefully by the time uh, we get done, you will be challenged that God would use you in a new and perhaps expanded way for his kingdom. But before we go any further, why don't we pray and ask God for his blessing on this time. Father, we thank you so much just for the privilege of being able to worship together. I thank you for each person that is here, for bringing them together to worship you, to see their lives changed and renewed and to grow in their faith in Christ. But Father, also to be able to be used by you here in Southern California. Father, we know that there are so many people that are here that are lost without Christ. There are so many people that need to hear the gospel and to be transformed and to be changed. And Father, we don't presume that we have all of the answers or that we ourselves are perfect. But Father, we have the message of transformation that comes from Jesus. And Lord, we want to be able to be good stewards of what you have given to us. So Father, we pray that you would speak to us, that your Holy Spirit would superintend everything that goes on during this service today. And Father, that we would be challenged by your Spirit to accomplish your purposes for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to start by doing a little review. Um, you know, as God developed CCF here in LA, it's important that we're on the same page about where we're all going together. And uh, I'm kind of like overall in charge of CCF missions, so anything that happens outside of the Philippines, it's my fault, okay? That's, uh, I, I don't actually have any authority, but I have the blame. That's really important. <clears throat> So I want to make sure that we are all working together towards the, the same goals and objectives. And uh, so I think a review would be a good thing for us to do. Okay, bye. We're, okay. So do we all share the same mission, vision, and values of CCF? Now, I'll bet most of you could tell me what is the mission of CCF. Could you tell us? I, this is a test for Pastor Insong and Pastor Danny. Okay, so if you blow this, I'm going back to Pastor Peter and I'm telling him these guys got to replace them. So what is the mission? <laughs> Joke lang, huh? <laughs> Actually, they're probably saying, hallelujah, I'm, I'm out. I don't have to do this anymore. Okay, what is our mission? It is, we made a little change here. Okay, be careful. Okay, it is to honor God and make committed followers Christ-committed followers who make Christ-committed followers. And we take that from the, the verse, which is the Great Commission verse, that we are to make disciples of all nations. So that is our mission. And uh, our vision, if we did this, what would happen? What would be the picture of what would take place? So our vision is to see a movement of millions of committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ meeting in small groups, transforming lives, families, communities, and nations for the glory of God. That's what we are about. Can I hear an amen? amen? I know you guys aren't Baptists, but you know, at least once in a while an amen would be a good thing. Um, this is what God has called us to do. Amen. This is what, amen? <laughs> yes. Sangalingen. <laughs> okay. This is what our vision is to be, okay? 
This is what would happen if we all took that mission seriously and made disciples who would make disciples. We would see transformation. We would see millions of people, not just a handful of people, but worldwide, globally, we're trusting God to make an impact that is, is immense. Now we realize that we're not the only church that's doing this and God's kingdom is far, far greater than CCF and certainly we want to cooperate and partner together with anyone else that is doing the same thing. But God has given us a stewardship as a church to be able to accomplish his vision. And that's what would happen, I believe, if God were to bless us to do what he has called us to do. Now, what are our values? As we go about this, we can't just go about this in any way. We have to do it according to the values that we believe are central from scripture. And what are those values? Well, first of all, is sacrificial love for God and others. Okay? Sacrificial love for God and others. Second is evangelism and equipping, which is really about discipleship. The third is reliance on the Holy Spirit and prayer. We don't do it ourselves. It is God that works through us, and it's when he works as a result of our prayers. The one we will be talking about today is volunteer lay leadership, so I won't say anything about that now. But then the others are authority of the scriptures and leaders, nurture family relationships, and particularly husband and wife's team, uh, wife teams. You heard earlier how Ned and his wife were working together and discipling their groups. We believe that it's crucial that husbands and wives work together. <coughs> Truthfulness and integrity and small group discipleship. These are the things that we think are, are absolutely essential in pursuing the vision that God has given to us. So I'm sure you guys are gonna be going over this or have gone over some of these. Remember that this is the essence of who we are. Strip everything else away from CCF and this is who we are and that's why we do the things that we do. Now today I wanna to talk specifically about volunteer lay leadership. And you think, well, that's probably the most boring one of all of these you know, values. What's so exciting about volunteer lay leadership? Well, I believe that if you, we get this right, God can unleash an incredible army of people who will make an impact for Christ in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever it is that he has called us. And it's really what God has done in the past, as uh, Net shared something that we want to follow. Now I want to start out by asking what do we think about when we think of volunteers? I mean what do you think when you think of a volunteer? Well a story comes to my mind of a guy by the name of Basim and he was vying for the hand of the only daughter of a very very wealthy sheikh in the Middle East. Okay, Only daughter and uh, of course the sheikh was very particular and Basim you know, he was one of hundreds of suitors. I mean, basically, she was like the gem of the area, and so everybody wanted to court her. So with so, many, so much competition, it was hard for the sheikh to decide who was going to get her hand. So he decided that he was going to do something unique. He decided that he would have a competition, and the competition would take place on one day, so he invited about, he had a short list of about 40 guys, that he brought to his, his mansion, the palace, and then he took them out in the back where there was a big swimming pool. And so he explained the dynamics of the competition. So the competition was gonna go like this. 
as soon as he said, go, whoever made it to the opposite end of the pool, this 50-meter Olympic-sized swimming pool, and got out on the other end, would be able to have the hand of this beautiful princess. Sounds easy enough. But what he didn't say was that he had stocked the swimming pool with alligators. Okay, so these huge, like 15-foot alligators are all swimming around. And so all of the guys looked at each other, and Basim is going, oh my goodness, I is it really worth it? Am I going to survive if I were to do this? And so nobody moved, and there was just deathly silence, and everybody is just worried. And then suddenly there was a splash, and you see this one guy just swimming for his life to get to the other end, and he's being chased by all of these alligators, and he's about to die, and he finally gets to the other end and drags himself out, and he's just exhausted when he gets to the other side. And so the sheikh goes over and, and says, oh, son, you won the competition. You know, why did you do it? And he says, is there anything you want to, to tell us or anything you want to ask? And he says, yes. <laughs> Who pushed me? <laughs> you know, sometimes that's what we think of when we think of volunteers, don't we? Who pushed us? You know, why is it that we really serve the Lord? Okay, if you haven't got the joke yet, ask your neighbor what, why that was funny. You know, when you think about volunteering, sometimes we feel like we are being pushed into things that maybe we don't really want to do. But is that the way that we should be as Christians in serving the Lord? You know, there's a great verse that uh, has ministered to me in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. It says, Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. You know, God gives us the opportunity to partner together with him in developing his kingdom. And he says, don't do it because you have to. Don't do it because someone pushed you into the pool, but do it because you want to, because you're eager to serve the Lord. Now, when you think about the privilege that we have to be able to serve, that makes sense. Look at what Christ has done for us. You know, you can't compare his gift of what he has done for us to save us with any kind of service that we could possibly offer. There's just no comparison at all. So when you think about serving him and volunteering, it's not because we owe him something. It's not because somehow we gain his favor more, or it's not because we want to please the people that are pushing us into that service. It's because of the gratitude we have for what he has done for us. You know, another person that comes to mind when it comes to volunteering is Nehemiah. You remember what happened to Nehemiah back in Nehemiah chapter one? This is the passage that uh, I think is very significant. He said, they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What happened? Someone came from Jerusalem and gave a report on his city, the place where he was born, 
Now he was serving in a foreign country and he was serving as the cupbearer of a king. It was a great honor, it was a great responsibility, but when he heard about his own place, about the city that he had come from, and realized that it is in such dire distress, his heart was moved. He couldn't just stand there and, and do nothing. So you read in the rest of the, the book of Nehemiah that he didn't just wait for someone else to come along and do something. He didn't say, oh, that's just such a terrible situation. Someone should fix it. What did he do? He went to the king. And although it was a great risk for him to open up about his, his uh, fears and his frustration, he told the king that his, his heart was broken because of what he had heard about the situation of his city. And at great risk to his own life, he opened up and then came up with a plan of how he would be able to help see the city rebuilt, the walls rebuilt. And because he was willing to volunteer and get involved, not just complain about the situation, not just feel bad about the situation, but actually step up and get involved and change the situation, God did amazing things in spite of the opposition, in spite of the danger. God rebuilt the wall in 50 days, an incredible feat. Now my point is this, when we see a situation that needs to be changed, or when our hearts are, are moved because we see people who are lost without Christ, what do we do? Is our temptation to say, someone should do something about that. You know, I'm watching the government impasse right now here in the United States. A lot of fun, huh? Just <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, Insong, you're really enjoying your furlough, right? Uh, you know, when you look at it, everybody's pointing fingers at everybody else. Everybody's saying, oh, this is what should be done, this is what should be done. But nobody's willing to step up and act. And I think that's the situation for us. When we know that there are many people here in the LA basin that don't know Christ, many people that are lost, they may not even know that they're lost, but we know that they are lost. What are we going to do? Somebody should do something about that. Yeah, Pastor Insong, Pastor Danny, you should make some programs to help these people. No, 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 no. God is saying, if you really feel the burden, you need to be involved in it. You need to volunteer and do something, whatever that should be. Now, why volunteers? Why not full-time people? Well, as we heard from uh, Pastor Nett earlier, you know, 99% of the people in our churches are, are volunteer. They're not full-time. Um, I think uh, churches have been compared to football games. How many of you like watching football? American football is a really weird thing, no? It's just people beating up on each other for no apparently good reason. You've got, you know, uh, these guys lining up opposite each other, 11 people on both sides, and they are absolutely putting every ounce of their energy in trying to kill the other team. You know, it's like, boom. <clears throat> and what you have is you have 70,000 people in the stands watching, and these guys all need exercise, right? Because they just had their, their tailgate party and ate way too much barbecue and too many hamburgers, and they're all, like, really overweight. 
but there's 22 guys, 11 on each team, that are desperately in need of rest, right? But what do you have? You have so many people doing all of the work and everybody else just spectators watching it happen. In many ways, that's the way the church is. We say, oh, we have a pastor. Let them do the work. He is one of the 11 on one side that needs some, some rest. And you guys need some exercise, okay? All of us need to be involved in the game. This isn't a spectator sport. Christianity was never intended to be a spectator sport. So why do we, we have volunteers? Because 99% of the people in the church are not paid, but they have talents, they have abilities. You all have resources that could, could do great things for the kingdom of God. You have networks of relationships of people that don't yet know the Lord or people that need to grow in their relationship with Christ. And if you would simply step up, imagine the impact that we could have as a church. Another thing is that volunteers have gifts and abilities that paid staff and pastors don't have. Uh, I appreciated Nett saying that one thing that he never did in the church was to lead praise and worship. I, I can really identify with that, okay? Um, the only song, this is a joke that my, my family will always hate me for because they hear it so often, but this is really true. The only song I've ever been asked to sing is, Jim, can you please sing on a hill far away, okay? <laughs> you know, I don't have the gift of praise and worship. I love to sing, but people don't like to listen to me. <laughs> I don't know why. <clears throat> you know, but there are incredibly gifted people, as you just heard in this congregation, that are so good at leading praise and worship, if they didn't step up, you would get stuck with people like me and Net. okay? But there are many other things that can be done within the church. Some of you are really good in web page design or in, in the IT side. You, you are good at the technical side. Some people, you just love people. You are great in hospitality. I don't, I don't like people. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> But some people, you have really the gift of hospitality. You know how to people, make people welcome. You know how to, to include people. You are just good at networking as well. You know, there are many of you that need to use the gifts and abilities that you have because others in the church don't have them, okay? What else? Well, volunteers have a different level of commitment than paid professionals. You know, I've noticed here in, in the US and even in the Philippines, Many pastors look at their job as a job. It's something that they do to be able to make money, just like you do your job in an office or whatever it is. But what I see is that those that volunteer do it because God has called them and they really sense that calling in a deeper way than perhaps even some paid professional pastors. So you know, in some ways you have more of a passion for doing what God has called you to do than those that might be getting paid for it. Now, of course, the most important thing from our perspective is that volunteers are free. Okay, that's really important. So we don't have to pay you anything. That was a joke. I'm just kidding. Okay, that's not really the reason. But it really is true. You don't need the resources to pay people to do what God has already called them to do. So volunteers are an incredibly important asset 
as a resource to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. But why volunteer? Why should you volunteer and get involved? Well, let me just give you an example of some volunteers that you're probably familiar with. <clears throat> it says, and this was a situation where the disciples had been uh, brought before the Sanhedrin. They are being told, stop doing all of this stuff that you're doing. You're making a, a mockery of the leadership in the Sanhedrin. Stop preaching about this Jesus. But then it says, they kind of paused and they said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You know, when we volunteer, people realize that we are different because of Jesus, not because of what you are paid to do. You know, me as a missionary, people expect me to be spiritual. I'm not always spiritual, but they expect me to be spiritual because I'm a missionary. It's my job to, you know, at least go through the motions. But, you know, when you as a lay person stand for Christ in your office or stand for Christ in your, in your school, that's not because you get paid for it. And people are going to say, wow, that person's different because I think they're Christian. They really know Christ. They're really living out their faith. And for that reason, you have an impact in the lives of other people that I can't match. People expect me to be spiritual. For you, it's because you truly are walking with Jesus. That's why they see the difference in your life. So in CCF, uh, another thing, I don't know if I can show this because I need a, do we have an uh, audio pickup? Pretty bad. I need to find something here. <coughs> I want to point out that um, one of the most important reasons why you would want to volunteer in CCF is because if you do, you get to be in cute videos. Okay, you, you'll really appreciate this. Let me go look for this. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do this, but... I think this will be fun. Sorry. You don't have to show them all of what I'm doing here, right? This is very cute. Hey man, are you excited for GDC? Uh-huh. I sorry, I just killed it. I'm just getting used to Mac here. Hey man, are you excited for GDC? Uh-huh. I really wanna uh, sing a song? Yeah. yeah! You can't just listen to it, you gotta see it, okay? Oh, I know it's wrong. <laughs> Actually, at least we will enjoy it. So, can you just take a break for a moment while we? Yeah, you know. 
You guys are the Mac experts. I'm not the Mac. Oh, it's preferences video. So, I don't know. And I'm going to video. It should. Mirror display. Okay. Maybe. Where did my. Hey, hey man, are you excited for GDC? Uh-huh. I really wanna sing a song. Yeah! yeah. Glad to meet you. It's nice to make new friends. I love to help out. Here in the conference. A volunteer here. And I'm loving it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I guide the traffic. I help you find your way. I take your questions. I feed you day by day. I volunteer here. It's such a privilege. I make the lights flash. I shoot the videos. I make the music. I check the audio. And I volunteer here. I'm part of something big. Boom the Adam, boom the Adam, boom the so amazing. Good to be in GDC. Let's do our part now. Grown-ups family. I volunteer here. It's our story. Boom the ada, 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 boom the So if you volunteer, we may make a video about you, okay? <laughs> anyway, um, so one of the things that I just want to point out about this is that really um, CCF is all about volunteers. And uh, I think we have benefited by, uh, where did we go? Okay. Okay, so why do we volunteer? Not just because we get into cute videos, but because it's really a high privilege to serve the Lord. People's needs will be met and lives will be transformed. And God is glorified by using ordinary people. If you look back at that GDC video, you know, one of the amazing things is you have people that were in that video that are at the top of their fields in other areas. Uh, I'll never forget there is a couple of people, and I won't even mention, but they are famous across the Philippines for other things, and they were ushering or directing traffic uh, during GDC. You know, they just humbled themselves and they said, there is no job that, doesn't, that needs to be done that I couldn't help do. So I really appreciate that volunteer spirit. Uh, during GDC, which is a leadership conference back in May, we actually had around 1,000 volunteers. And these guys had to take off three days from work just to be able to volunteer. And when they did it, they didn't get to attend the conference. 
They had to do all of the other stuff while everybody else was enjoying the conference. They were simply volunteering. So quite amazing, the commitment that they have. Now, there's two other, or one other word that goes along with volunteer. The other word is lay. What do we mean by lay leadership? Well, you know, many churches, they depend on full-time people. And why is it that they depend so much on full-time people? Well, actually, because I believe it's a wrong understanding of what the church was intended to be like. For instance, if you ask most people, what do they think a church looks like? What would they tell you? Building, Diba. Something like this. This was a church building in, uh, in Auckland, in New Zealand. They would probably say something like this. You know, you kind of have a steeple, you've got, you know, pews or chairs, you've got a place for people to speak. That's a church, right? Right? No, not so much. Because if you really look in the New Testament, I want you sometime in your quiet time just to search through your uh, New Testament and try to find the word church building in the New Testament. Just, just try sometime. How many church buildings references will you find in the New Testament? Zero, nada, voila. There's no reference. Why? What is the church? It's the people. It's us, okay? Now, if for some reason uh, you guys had to give up this building, would you still have a church? Absolutely. That church is us. It is not the building. But, you know, that is a misconception that came down to us from over a thousand years ago. In fact, if you look back in the history of the church, you will find out that the cathedrals, all of that stuff, started popping up after about 300 or 400 AD. Why? Because then the institutional church started taking over from what the original plan of God was, which was mainly to meet through houses, meet you know, place to place. And it wasn't just because people were persecuted. It was because in homes, that's where life-to-life -life ministry takes place. That's where you see real discipleship take place. So that whole concept had to change because the hierarchy of the church said, if we just let ordinary people lead, we won't have control. And so they began gathering people together in big churches, and they started giving a greater deal of responsibility to the professional people, to the point that by the Middle Ages, it was illegal for an ordinary church member to own a Bible. I mean, that's just kind of mind-boggling, you know? Why? Well, because that would take away from the authority of the ecclesiastical leaders, and if the church wanted to maintain control, that was the only way that they had control. But it was a far cry from what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus, he immediately had these guys going out preaching the gospel, doing the ministry, and they were what? Fishermen, they were tax collectors, they were all of these other jobs, all of these other uh, professions, and yet they were effective in the ministry. So my point here is this, because of the traditions of the church, we now have a wrong mentality about what leaders are supposed to be. Most of us still think that the paid professional the pastor, quote-unquote, is the one that should do the ministry and that 
we simply give money, we show up at meetings, we participate when they have you know, cantata or whatever it is that people are doing, but it's the job of the pastor to do the ministry. Now that is so far from the way that the New Testament was written. That is not what scripture wants us to do. I have an interesting picture here. You know, have you ever thought of you know, what it meant to be on a pedestal? You know, where, where that terminology came from? That is a pulpit, okay? You know, because the pastor was so high above everybody else that he was in this lofty position. Now, some people that are a little bit shorter may need something like that, you know? <clears throat> but this isn't for everyone, okay? Now, I do want to point out to you that the three most gifted people in this room, you know, Net and, and Insong and Danny, they have one thing in common. Have you noticed that? You know? No, there's one thing in common. They love Jesus. That's what, you know, that's the one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they do see eye to eye, that's true. Now, what is a biblical perspective on this then? Well, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That is all of us. We are a priesthood. No longer is the Old Testament priesthood there that only a few very select people and very trained people can do God's ministry. In fact, now every one of us is a priest. You know, you could be called Father so-and-so if you wanted to. Well, <laughs> don't let Pastor Peter hear me say that. But. You know, all of us have been called to be priests. Now, what does a priest do? A priest is one who mediates between one person and God. What does that mean? That you can actually be the one that impacts the lives of people for Christ. And every one of us is called to do that. It's not just the paid professionals. It's not just the super gifted people. It's every one of us that is a priest. You know, that is an amazing transformation of the, the Old Testament ideal of the temple and all of that. But that is the picture that God wants us to have of our role within the body. <clears throat> Another passage which is very important is in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to do what? To equip the, his people for works of service. You know, he didn't give them to do the work. Most of us think that he gave us pastors and teachers and all of these things to do the work of the ministry. But actually, what did he call them to do? To equip all of us to do the work. And what's the end result if they do that? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, when it's only the pastor that's doing the work or only the trained professionals doing the work, the body suffers. We don't come to that, that unity and that maturity that God wants us to have. 
It's only when all of us take up the responsibility that he has given to us, then the whole body works together. So it is not the job of the leaders just to do the work, but to equip all of us to do the work. You know, CCF, by God's grace, has been led by uh, lay people from the very beginning. Look at this very guapo group of people. Um, it's kind of funny because um, if you look at this group, you will be surprised to know that almost all of them at least began in the ministry as lay people. Many of them were business people. There's engineers there. There's accountants there. There's banking people there. There are people from many different professions that were involved in the ministry long before they decided that they were going to become the highest leaders within CCF. In fact, that was where they had the greatest impact in many situations because they had a natural mission field in front of them of the people that they work with on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's how God used them. And eventually, now many of them are full-time in the ministry, although probably about half of the people that are in that picture who are the top leaders of CCF Maine are not full-time. You know how many full-time people there are in CCF Maine? Full-time pastors? Probably about a dozen. You know how many people attend CCF Maine? Somewhere around 25,000, okay? Now, in all of the literature about how many pastors you need to have in order to have a successful church, I teach in a cemetery, uh, seminary. Um, and in the seminary, let me get that one right, okay? In the seminary, they tell you that you need to have one pastor for minimum or for maximum of 200 people because otherwise the work doesn't get done. Why? Because the assumption is the pastor is going to do all of the work. In CCF, we only have 12 pastors for 25,000. Do the math, that means that's like one for every 2,000 people. The reason is because volunteers are the ones that are doing the work. You know, until now, Pastor Peter does not receive any salary from CCF. He's still the chairman of the board of his own company. I remember many years ago when people would come to Pastor Peter and you know, these businessmen would talk to Pastor Peter and they would say, you know, you just don't understand. You're asking me to lead a Bible study or to do outreach and stuff. I'm just too busy. And Pastor Peter would just kind of laugh at them and say, do you realize I'm the pastor of this church and I have my own business. I am the president of my company. Don't tell me about busyness. I know what it's like to be busy. You can't say that you don't have time because he was doing it not just to lead a Bible study group, but to lead the whole church. So bottom line here is we are all called to serve. None of us is exempt from that call. You know, if God has brought you to faith in Jesus Christ and you have a relationship with him, then you are prime candidate to volunteer for his kingdom and for his service. All of us are called to serve. Now, the last part of that volunteer lay leadership is about leadership. So not only volunteering for anything, but specifically for being involved in leadership. And now most of you are probably going to tune out and say, I'm not a leader. 
that's not me. You know, that's for the really gifted and the guys that like to talk a lot. That's not me. But is that really true? Our, our key verse in uh, CCF is the Great Commission. And the Great Commission says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. How many of you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? May I see your hands. How many people are still awake? Um, I, I would think almost everybody here would identify yourselves as a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? Now, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then what are you supposed to do? Make disciples. And once you start making disciples, what are you supposed to teach them to do? To make disciples. Now, let me ask, are there any exemptions there? A any loopholes? May lusot ba? Walang lusot, huh? That means every one of us is called, if we are a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, that we also are supposed to make disciples. Now, I have the privilege of being able to ask a dear young lady from CCF Maine who is going to share with us just her own personal experience about being discipled and how that has impacted her life. So let's uh, welcome Jill Olasso. Thank you. I'm sorry for my voice. I was enjoying this land too much yesterday. Um, when I was young, very young, I had a dream. Um, a very, it was a very simple dream. My life was shaped by the life of my parents. So you, would, you could say my first disciples were my parents, my mom especially. Um, I wanted to get married at 27, live a very simple life, disciple my own kids, um, and uh, support my husband. Because my parents were actually, you know, they, I, I saw them put family first. And I saw that with my mom and my dad, um, who I love very dearly. And, um, and my parents were not really religious, so I wasn't religious growing up, but they were spiritually curious. And I'm not sure if you remember, but way back in the 1980s, may sikat po noon yung Johnny Midnight. I'm not sure if some of you remember. Alam niyo po yun. ayun po, ayun po. So I remember my parents, um, they would wake up at 3 a.m. And then, naga ano po sila? Ano pong ginagawa niyo, mami and dad? Simpala, nagtutoning po sila. Um, nakisama po ako. So we were, you know, we were very curious. But praise God, because God really took us out of that. And it was my dad. My dad was discipled by one of um, his friends, um, Mang Cesar, Cesar Legazpi, who's a very well-known artist in the Philippines, and I saw changes in my dad's life. It was because of that, I wasn't really seeking God. So I could probably come up here and say, you know, I was broken, I was, I was seeking God. No, I was actually very proud, living a very um, high school, carefree life, straight A student. I felt I was very good um, at everything, and I loved my parents, and I said, you know, I'm a good kid. But I saw changes in my dad, and when I was 16 years old, I attended my first Bible study. And in that Bible study, our Bible teacher wasn't uh, a professional pastor. He was a layperson from CCF. Um, he was actually a businessman. 
I'm not sure if some of you know him, Sani Sanchez. You know him? Kilala niyo po? Sani Sanchez. And, um, and I also saw Pastor Danny Dray back then. And in that Bible study, I felt that my eyes were open and, and um, I accepted Christ that day without even, I felt like God just opened up my heart without me knowing my heart was just ready to receive Christ. And I, I started serving. Ako po yung first youth band ng CCF. So I was 16, I was playing music, I was playing keyboards. And I felt, Lord, I'm starting my life right. I'm a good kid, I study hard, I love my parents. Wala po akong kalaban. I feel like I'm just going to start my life right. I was like a shiny new penny. I'm all set for God. I, I gave up, uh, you know, this guy was courting me. Wala, wala akong boyfriend. And I was like, Lord, I'm going to give up relationships because I'm going to serve you. Diba? Ganun, po, ganun po, very idealistic. So I was 20 um, back then. And lo and behold, when I was 30, the dream never, the dream never materialized. It was still a dream. I was still single. Um, God closed doors, but He opened windows, and He flourished my career. I felt like my career was flourishing, and I, He gave me a chance to work abroad. So I, I lived abroad for a couple of years. And back then, wala pa pong CCF online. There was no CCF online. There was no CCF Sydney, CCF China. Wala po. So I was. I felt like I was all alone, and I, I strayed away from from my discipler. I didn't have a discipler during that time. So when I came back, I felt like, where was the idealism that I had when I was a new Christian? Because I was a new Christian, I was sharing with people left and right. I was volunteering. I was active in the ministry. Um, so when I came back from work, I was 30, and I was like, where did my life go? 10 years of career. And then there was something that changed my life. Um, there was a lady who emailed me, and then she goes, Jill, I, I learned from a friend that you're a Christian. So I'm emailing you because if, I don't know if you remember me, but you were my classmate in college. And uh, I'm a Christian now too. And I'm about to get married to a wonderful Christian guy. So I felt like I needed to tell you to encourage you because um, we share the same faith. I'm so in love with God. So nagulat po ako. I was like, wow. Uh, one of my, not, she wasn't really a close friend, but I felt like, you know, uh, I was so happy to, 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 uh, to get to link up with this girl again. So I emailed back, I said, I'm so happy that you found Jesus Christ too. And I said, I'm so sorry, but um, I don't know if I ever shared with you in college. Sabi ko, nakakaya naman if I didn't share. I hope I was a good testimony to you that uh, somehow that our relationship in college encouraged you. And then she goes, ano ka ba? Hindi mo ba matandaan? Don't you remember that time I still remember that you shared the gospel with me. Um, natatandaan ko kasi madumi yung kuko mo. <laughs> Sabi ko, paano mo naalalam na madumi yung kuko ko? Sabi niya, eh, kasi tinuturo mo sa Bible, yung verse. <laughs> so, <laughs> sabi ko, ganun ba? And then she goes, yeah, I remember you. You brought out your Bible. We were in Kentucky Fried Chicken. And then suddenly, you started to share. Um, Romans 3.23 and 6.23 and naalala ko yung verse kasi ang dumi ng kuko mo talaga. So, <laughs> sabi ko nga, Lord, wala po talaga akong ka-fashion sense. <laughs> and then she goes, um, I may not have accepted during that time, but that planted a seed. So I remember when I was 30, I was like, wow, Lord, that just brought me back to what it's really all about. So sabi ko, sige, Lord, I'm gonna proceed. So 30 po ako noon. Pagating ko po, when I turned 40, 
the dream was still a dream. <laughs> Sabi ko, Lord, what is this really all about? And I think through that time, I really struggled in 20 plus years of being a Christian. I really struggled with pride, unbelief, and loneliness. Um, you think, you know, being a new Christian, you feel like you're a shiny new penny, but after years and years, and you feel like dreams are, dreams are not coming true, prayers are not getting answered. You feel like, God, are you really there? I've been serving, I've been teaching Bible study, I have my own small group, but a lot of the desires of my heart. When I was a new Christian, the verse ko po was Jeremiah 29, 11, and 12. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Nung 30, 30 plus years, iba na Right verse ko naman, Psalm 37, 4, 5. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah, Lord, delight, delight. Give me the desires of my heart. And then I remember I, um, um, during my 35th birthday, so I, we had a simple lunch. Sorry po, I'm taking a bit of time. But I had a simple lunch with my parents. And then my dad and I, we were just waiting at the parking lot. And then I said, Dad, it's my birthday. Sabi ng dad ko, yeah, happy birthday po. Happy birthday, happy birthday. Then he goes, Oh, how old are you? Ilan taon ka na ba? Sabi ko, Dad, you don't remember? Oh, 25. No, Dad, I'm, I'm 35 already. And then my dad goes, Ganun ba? And he started to cry. Hindi yung cry na, <laughs> hindi po yung trickling in tears. Ko, Dad, why are you crying? And then he goes, Kawawa naman yung anak ko. Wala pang asawa. <laughs> and then, <laughs> sabi ko po, um, and I, and it, it just reminded me, you know, I, I can say, I wish I could say that I've overcome loneliness. It's a daily surrender. Daily, I surrender it to God, that dream, and I say, Lord, you use me where I'm at. And then finally, I'm 40, and then it's still, um, God has opened up a lot of doors. There's, um, and, um, I was very fortunate that uh, um, I had a disciple who really cared and prayed for me. Because during that time, the temptation was just so great na, Lord, kahit sino na lang. <laughs> but I remember my um, so finally there was this there was there was this man oh actually net na kwento ko na siyo um and uh, there was this man who started to court me and nagpaalam po ako I, I talked to my disciple and I said um uh, Tita he's a I don't think he's a Christian but he's he he Somebody set us up. So, do you think I should go out for coffee? My disciple said, oh, okay, if it's just coffee, eh, naman yan proposal, eh, sige, coffee. Oh, sige, coffee kami, coffee. The coffee turned out to be a, a, a dinner date. And, and um, so he was, he, he's a Filipino who grew up in America. So, hindi po mga torpe. <laughs> hindi po siya torpe, talagang. He goes, <laughs> kasi he grew up here. <laughs> He goes, <laughs> and now I, I can laugh now, but I wasn't laughing during this time. But uh, he was telling me, wow, wow, you know, I adore talking to you. And I'm like, wow, a guy who says he adores talking to me. And then he goes, you know, the conversations we'll have, I'm really interested in you. And the first dinner, he goes, so do you think there's something with us? I go, what? What are you talking about? I'm just having dinner. Um, but um, I continued to go out with him because my disciple also said, you know, Jill, you're God's, you might be the only connection this guy has to Christianity because he's, he's an agnostic. 
And so I started to share the gospel. I started to share Galatians. I was telling him, you study Galatians. It talks about um, the, 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 the gospel and Jesus Christ. And, and he goes, really? Teach me. Teach me Galatians. And I, I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> you just you really want to know. Um, but you know, God impressed in my heart that when the time when uh, God, because by the time I had to, I had a business meeting for three weeks in the U.S. So I said, you know, these three weeks, you really learn if, if you really, because faith is very important to me, I told him, if, and um, if you're really serious about God, I really hope you seek him. And if you have that relationship with God already um, um, aligned in your mind and in your heart, kung alam mo na kung san, anong gusto mo, then seek me out. Kung tayo, tayo. Yung kung sinabi ko sa kanya. Kaya lang in my heart, when I, when I, when I boarded the airport, umiyak po ako, sabi ko, Lord, ito na last chance ko. Kaya lang, sige. I'm gonna... <laughs> I'm going to surrender him to you and lift him to you. And, um, and then finally, God just made it clear that it, he wasn't the man. And I remember uh, the husband of my disciple, he goes, Pastor Ricky goes, you know, Jill, um, God will honor you because you've honored him. And, I, and, I've, and that was so true in my heart. Um, so out of all of that, oh, what have I learned? Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm just... Um... So when... Um, when uh, the verse, if, if before the verse was, was about um, the, the desires of my heart, I really cling to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse, six, verse 16 to 18. It goes, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Tumatanda na rin po ako. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen will last forever. So I, I really praise God that uh, through my unbelief and my pride and my loneliness, He used the people around me, my disciples, the D group, and not just, not just the people who were discipling me, but He also used the group that I was discipling to really encourage me. And I... I I, if, if, you know, some people will say, you know, Jill, 20 plus years, um, do you regret anything? And I'm like, no, because I think God has, God has really um, allowed lessons um, in my life. And just what, I just wanted to end with this story. Um, this really impacted me way a couple of years ago. Because I'm very close to my dad. And one of my dreams is, you know, for my dad to walk me down the aisle, to honor my dad, to honor my parents. And my dad was, um, had a stroke, and he was in the hospital. Ako po yung bantay sa ICU. And I was really crying to God, Lord, but mulcha ko kunin, mahal na mahal ko po yung daddy ko. And I didn't know who to call. So I called my, I called my disciple. And sabi ko, anong, kasi sabi ng doctor, when the doctor came, ako po yung nagbabantay. I was the one in the hospital. And the doctor said, you know, my dad suffered a stroke, something's happening in his brain. And I was like, what can be done? Is there a cure? And the doctor goes, well, there's really no cure. That's just old age. It will be just like a cow who dies. Like, what? What are you telling me? <laughs> my dad would be like, yeah. So I was just really crying. And I called my disciple. It was around 1 a.m. I know, right? Parang yung pa ginamit, parang cow daw na. And then uh, my, my, my D group leader goes, you know, in God's own time. And uh, at 1 a.m., we prayed. And I remember that prayer because during that time, that was one of the most darkest times in my life. 
and um, the people that God has surrounded me really encouraged me. And I just wanted to say that disciple was Ateline. And it was a pastor in song. So you might not know, but uh, I, I feel so blessed because God has allowed me to be here to bless both of you too. So in front of the congregation. So bless your heart for all the work that you've done. And I hope that I will continue to be the same um, disciple also to my ladies. Be an example for what you have been an example for me. So thank you so much. So you can see the impact of a discipler on someone that they are discipling uh, in all aspects, through all phases of life, how important it is to have someone who is there to be able to encourage, to give direction, just to pray with and to support. That's part of really the DNA of CCF. And that is actually the privilege that each one of us is being given to have, not only to be discipled, but also to be that person in the lives of others as well. So, what is the command of Matthew 28, 19 and 20? It is to make disciples. And who is supposed to make disciples? Everyone who is a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, that means it includes you as well. You know, that is really the core ministry of CCF. Um, there are many things that we could all do. In fact, many churches have a smorgasbord of different programs and activities. But in CCF, we're pretty focused. There's really one thing that all of us should be involved in. Now, we appreciate and we need people to volunteer for many different parts of the ministry. The music team, ushering, setup, all of those things are important. But if you were to choose one thing that you do, the one thing that we would want you to focus on is making disciples of others. So making disciples in small groups is the core. And it is the most important volunteer role that we have is for you to be involved in that. And I would like to encourage you. I know that there are going to be opportunities for you, if you are already in a group, to begin leading a group. If you are not yet in a group, you need to be in a group so that you can learn, so that you can become a discipler as well. And just a little reminder, uh, have you seen this diagram? Does this look familiar? Okay, let me just go through it because I know that you probably have seen this before. But what is the process that we expect people to go through who are part of CCF? Well, first of all, we want people to be connected to Christ. There are many people that they have no interest spiritually or they have no connection even with people that know Christ. The first step is to find ways to connect with them. And something that we're doing in CCF Maine is what we're, we're calling Pray, Care, Share. Have you guys talked about this here? Not yet? Let me just tell you very quickly, how do you connect with people? Now, it used to be that most of the time when we think about sharing with someone, immediately we get out God's way to heaven or we get out the four spiritual laws or some track where we immediately go and share the gospel with them. Is that bad? No. If it's in the right context and people are ready, that's a great thing to do. But we realize that sometimes it takes more time to get people prepared. And we, we found a very, I think, a very effective approach, which we call pray, care, share. Uh, what's pray? Prayer. Yeah, okay, that's pretty clear. What do you do? 
you pray for people that you know that are in your network of relationships that don't yet know Christ. Um, but not only do you pray for them in your closet when you're alone with the Lord in your quiet time or whatever, but you look for opportunities to pray with them and for them. Let me give you an example. What if you have a friend that is having medical problems? Do you think they would be willing, even if they're not a believer, to allow you to pray for them if, you're, if they're really having medical problems? You know, they may not want to hear the gospel, but if they're having problems, many times they would be willing to have you pray with them. Or what if they're having problems with their children in school? And they say, boy, I'm really struggling how to get them to you know, do their studies and stuff like that. If you suggested, would you mind if I pray for you? Do you think they would let you do that? You know, many people who aren't otherwise open to spiritual things will allow you to pray for them. Uh, let me give you an example of a guy that this was true for way back when I was in high school. That was before the Earth's crust had fully formed. Um, <clears throat> during that time, the guy that discipled me was uh, working with another kid who was a baseball player. And that baseball player, you know, he would invite them to a Bible study and the guy, sometimes he shows up, sometimes he doesn't show up. He's really irregular and not really that spiritually interested. But he said, okay, let's put God to, te to the test. You know, you're not really into this, but you don't really see the relevance of Christ. So tell me, what is your number one prayer request? If you had any prayer request and you wanted to put God to the test, what would that be? So the guy's a baseball player. So he says, okay. He has a particular baseball glove, certain model, certain model number, practically down to the serial number. He knew exactly the kind of baseball glove that he wanted. And so he said, no way God is ever going to do this. So he said, okay, I want this Rawlings, such and such a model, such and such a color, you know, the whole thing. And it's a top-of-the-line baseball glove, way beyond his financial capacity. So my friend Daryl said, okay, let's pray for that. So they began praying. About a week later, he invited him to the Bible study and the guy came. He was kind of surprised, you know. Usually it's like pulling teeth to get the guy to come to the Bible study. But the guy shows up and he says, what happened? He says, you'll never believe what happened. He said, I got in the mail a late birthday present from my aunt in New Jersey. She sent it because she forgot that my birthday was actually two months ago and it just <laughs> got here and you would not believe it is exactly the model number of the baseball glove that we prayed for. Tingle, 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 tingle. You know, that guy never missed a Bible study after that. I mean, he was there. <clears throat> Why? Because he saw the reality of the answer to prayer. So when we do that, many times this is a way to open spiritual interest with people who otherwise may not be. But you know, my, let me just say from a Filipino perspective, I may be Roman Catholic or non-religious or whatever, but so if I know that you will pray for me, I don't care who answers my prayer, right? Basta sumagot, diba? So 
if you can do it, fine. If uh, someone else, so people will open up. But the amazing thing is when God answers prayer, they know it is God that did it. And that opens people's hearts. The second thing of prayer care share is care. What does that mean? Care, okay? Be nice to people. Go out of your way to find ways to be able to connect with people. Sometimes our biggest problem as Christians is we have a reputation of being critical about everybody but not really being very helpful to anyone. Diva? I mean, many times people look at us as the guys that are always saying, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that, rather than the people that are actually getting involved in people's lives and helping them when they have needs. So care simply means, as you are praying for people, look for opportunities to be able to connect with them. For instance, if you're praying for that person that has medical issues, what could you do? Can I help in any way? Can I bring you to the hospital, bring you to your doctor appointment? I could refer you to someone that is a specialist that may be able to help. What if you're talking about the guy that has a, a kid that is not doing well in school? Oh, I'm good in that area. Could I tutor him? You know, being able to actually get involved in people's lives and show care also opens people's hearts because they know that you're not just there to put another notch in your Bible when you have shared the gospel with them, but you actually genuinely care for them. So we are challenging all of the people in CCF Maine to have a list of at least 10 people that they are praying for. We did a training in prayer care share and a new uh, tool that we have called One by One, um, which hopefully we can get copies of and all of that. But this is something that you could do, and we're trusting God that by the end of December, each person that has signed up will have at least three people that they're beginning to do initial follow-up with as a result of practicing pray, care, share. So that's the bridging. How do you bridge? Now, most of the time we think of bridging events. I would like to suggest that we rely too much on events and too little on personal connection with people. God has given you a network of people to connect with. Use that network to be able to connect people to Christ. Um, the second is believe. Some people are going to respond to the gospel, so we, we need to help them to go across the line, not just to be connected, to hear the gospel, but to really come to a personal faith in Christ. And that's where this one-by-one uh, one is a good tool to use. Then we want people to get involved in a small group, a D group. How many of you are in a D group? Many of you, very good. Anybody that's not in a D group, I encourage you to get connected because that's where you see the greatest growth in your life. That's where you have friends that are gonna be praying for you, people that will hold you accountable, people that you can learn and grow and have fun together with. By the way, a lot of times it's a lot of fun. So don't think of it as like, oh, just another meeting. But uh, actually, you can see that most of us that are in D groups, <laughs> we do very well, okay? <clears throat> and then you have the opportunity to lead D groups. Now, some of you are thinking, ah, that's just, wow, that's just like way up there, too much for me. But remember, what does Matthew 28, 18 to 20 say? If you are a disciple, you should make disciples. And lastly, it is to multiply, not only for you 
to make disciples, but for your disciples to make disciples as well. Let me just show you a picture of an example of this. We had a bridging event last year, and uh, you can see me. This was when I had facial hair. Um, you know, when I come through immigration, they keep looking at the picture and looking at me, and it doesn't look the same. So anyway, uh, the guy on my left in the front row is Art Adriano. He is in my D12. The guy behind him is in Art's D12. And uh, then the guy that is behind him uh, up a step is Chris. He is in Lowell's D12. And Lowell has a group of guys. Those guys on top are all the people that are in his group. And uh, one of the guys, John, who is like right behind Lowell, uh, he has a group of guys, and now two of his guys have guys. So if you look at that, that's like, what, seven generations. Um, that's what we're looking for. We're, we're trusting God that generation after generation, we are going to see disciples of Christ raised up. Can you imagine how many people would be impacted in L.A. if each one of you not only discipled people, but then those people began discipling people, and those people disciple others. I mean, imagine the cumulative impact. So let me just wrap it up and say this. We are all called to serve, but we're also all called to make disciples. So the question is, what is God calling you to do today? Perhaps it is to serve, to be involved in setting up in the morning, in some administrative function, the worship team, by the way, even if you feel that you're called to worship, ask someone else if they think you are called to the worship team, okay? Um, Sunday school, there is great need to invest in the next generation. There are many opportunities that we can serve and they are all good things. So perhaps God is saying, you know, you've been waiting, now is the time to step up. Now is the time that you need to get involved. And by the way, let me suggest, it's not just for us old people. Okay, some of you younger people, that is under 50, you know, the younger people. That was a joke, that was, I'm just kidding. Those of you who perhaps are just, uh, you know, in your teens or early 20s, you guys have an incredible impact in the lives of others because you have networks as well. So don't think of this as just for others, but for you. Another thing God may be telling you is you need to join a D group. Perhaps you haven't made that step where you want to get connected and God is saying, this is what I want you to do. Or perhaps you need to host a D group. One of the things that I know that is the desire of the team is that we have D groups scattered throughout the LA basin so that people don't have to go all the way to South Pasadena, but that there would be host groups in other places as well. So if you're willing to host a group, let them know. Or perhaps to lead a D group, not only to host, but also to actually step up. And if you need training to make that possible, or if you just need a swift kick in the, whatever you get kicked in, um, there are people here that will give you that swift kick to help you to get started in that. My hope and my desire is that each of us would see that we are called by God, each of us, to serve. And each of us is called to lead. So let's pray and ask God to make that a reality in our lives. 
Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of knowing you and also the privilege of serving you. It's just an amazing thing that the God that created everything in the universe would be able to use us in some way to accomplish his purposes. That is just a staggering thought. Father, we thank you that you have saved us, not just for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of the expansion of your kingdom and for the benefit of others that don't know you. So Father, I pray right now that you would work in the hearts of each person. Lord, if they need to step up and serve in some area, to be able to give their gifts and abilities in a way that would benefit the church, I pray that you would make it clear to us right now. Lord, for those who are not yet in D groups, I pray, Father, that you would help them to recognize the importance to help them grow and then also to help others grow. And Father, I pray for those that could host or lead a D group. Lord, I pray that you would help them also to respond to your prompting. Right now, I would just like for you, between you and the Lord, just where you are seated, just to ask him, what is the commitment that he is asking you to make? If the Lord is speaking to you, I would ask that after the service that you would just drop in the tithe box a note to Pastor Insong, Pastor Danny, the other leaders, of what your commitment is. Don't let the day go by and just say, oh, well, sometime I will make that commitment. But if God has spoken to you clearly, I want you to write it down and I want you to communicate it so that we could follow up on it. Lord, I ask that you would just use the commitments that you are prompting us to make this morning so that your church, your kingdom could be expanded here in LA. And Lord, we thank you so much that you are already using us in a significant way. And we do believe, just like what is happening with Net and Cavite and Laguna and those areas, that one day there are going to be CCFs all over the LA basin. And there's gonna be hundreds and perhaps thousands of people that are going to come to Christ as a result of those that are here in this room. Lord, here we are, Lord, send us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.